called drifting. What do you mean, drift? The cars are lighter. The tires are slick. When you drift, if you ain't out of control, you ain't in control. Still need a dictionary? On the other side of the world, on the wrong side of the law, a new style of racing rules the Tokyo underground. How you guys get away with this? And all the best drivers want in. Who's a tourist? Let's see what the kids got. And let's race. But when you live on the edge, anything can happen. You came to the wrong place. Now, in a place where life moves this fast, that's a lot of money. Hey, you're moving up in the world. You gotta elevate your company. The bigger the risk, the greater the rush. Stay away from me. All my life, people have told me I don't fit in. Maybe I've just been in the wrong place. and the Furious Tokyo Drift. There's no wax on, wax off with drifting. You learn by doing it. The first drifters invented drifting out here in the mountains by feeling it. So feel it. This week, we cover Wild Speed 3, or that was the title in Japan at least. I'm Kevin, joined by Jim, and this is the Pool Scene Podcast. Jim, how are you? Arigato gozaimasu, Japanichiban. I am so fucking excited about this movie. You have no idea. Konnichiwa. So excited. The American title of Wild Speed 3 is, of course, The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. I had to make sure I got that right because the thes are in some, removed in some. So it's The Fast and The Furious. In some movies, there's no The Fast and it's just Furious 7, The Fate of the Furious. Fast 5. Yeah. The third installment in the Fast and Furious franchise the first Fast movie to be directed by Justin Lin, who went on to direct the next three sequels and is tied to direct another three. Wait till you hear where this movie sits when it comes to, well, now the nine movie saga. Originally, the concept of this movie was Vin Diesel as Dominic Toretta in Tokyo, learning to drift and solving a murder. Wow. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Well, after as bad as Too Fast, Too Furious was. This was kind of the throwaway, almost direct the DVD. Hey, you kill that guy? <laughs> it's not more like Stallone. <laughs> None of the main cast returned for the movie. The studio literally said that Paul Walker was too old. So instead, they shifted the focus to more of the driving and the drifting itself, like a subgenre. 
rather than the character. Yeah, instead of doing quarter mile racing, they're doing drifting in the biggest fucking parking garages around Tokyo. <sighs> it wouldn't have lasted long if each subsequent Fast movie was a different type of racing. Yeah, I totally agree. However, when the original cast returned for Fast and Furious in 2009, they retconned the chronological timeline to include the events of this film as well as its predecessor, Too Fast, Too Furious. It's amazing how they retconned it. We'll I just in- showed you the end of... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit later. Actually, when this movie performed poorly during test screenings, they begged Vin Diesel to make a cameo. He agreed after Universal gave Vin Diesel, real name, Mark Sinclair, <laughs> the rights to the Riddick franchise. Like, they relinquished the rights to him personally and he went on to make Riddick movie in independently in 2013 which I don't think did that well I it doubled its budget but after marketing and all of that yeah. when all said and done without the studio who knows but regardless that's like on par with Stallone Schwarzenegger I agree I don't remember which movie it was it might have been Total Recall when Schwarzenegger literally bought the rights to his own movie yeah. when it was in limbo He bought the production rights. He had total creative control over it. That's basically what Vin Diesel got to Riddick just literally to make a cameo. And honestly, it's funny how that worked out because the cameo didn't improve how much money this movie made. It didn't at all. You didn't really need it. Uh, People in test audiences might have been like, oh, that's cool. He's in the movie. But just that cameo allowed this franchise to continue which is crazy because without that cameo this movie would have not been included in the franchise well it's as if they got the fast and the furious for dirt cheap when they attached it to this movie because it had no correlation like you said without vin diesel this is not even a fast and the furious movie yeah so 10 seconds 15 seconds of vin diesel allows this movie to become part of the canon and probably the most important movie in the entire nine movie franchise. Which is nuts. So I'm sure Jim will tell us more about that when we get into the legacy of this film. But for now, Jim, tell us when this movie was released, because I didn't mention that. The budget and box office, how we were living when Tokyo Drift came out. Tokyo Drift, The Fast and the Furious 3, however you want to name it, came out on June 16th, 2006 to an $85 million budget, and it made $159 million at the box office, which basically, wash. You didn't really profit much off of it. Yeah, the lowest grossing film in the franchise. By far. Even though, if you look back on all eight movies so far, the second Fast and the Furious movie is ugh, not great. But as a fan of the franchise, I go with it. In the news, not related to any of the Fast and the Furious movies, but it could be in like Fast 12, Serbia declares independence from the State Union of Serbia and Montenegro, thanks to Vin Diesel. The Pirates of the Caribbean, or Caribbean, however you want to pronounce it. Caribbean Queen. Caribbean Queen. That's right. Dead Man's Chest, directed by Gore Verbinski, becomes the fastest film to gross over $1 billion. Really? The fastest ever to get to $1 billion. I've never seen any of them. I feel like those are movies that... Either one of two things. It's the Disney juggernaut behind it. It's either family films. So when you make a family film, you get four for the price of one, kind of. So, like, no soccer mom is going to go see this movie by herself. Maybe. Maybe you're out there. But you're going to get the wife, the husband, the two kids. You get four people paying admission to see this movie. But I don't know anybody who's like... 
horny for these movies. No. I've never heard anybody be like... Dude. I've never been a big Johnny Depp fan to begin with. Yeah, I just never heard anybody be like, Pirates of the Caribbean, man. Fuck yeah, yeah man. I'm into it. These movies, I think, are watched, like you said, family stuff, or they're watched in secrecy. Somebody's got a guilty pleasure where they actually... Have you seen all of them at all? I don't think I've seen any, any of them. I'm I might have saw the first... I like that dude with the squid on his face or whatever. I I, I know that. Pretty That's cool about character it. design, but I don't know. I don't know his work. I know Captain Jack Sparrow thanks to Lonely Island. Yeah, I know more about that. After numerous attempts to revive the film franchise over the past 19 years, Superman is the central character in a new film from director Brian Singer entitled Superman Returns. Now, I remember going to the theater to see this. I liked it. A lot of people said it was boring as hell. And I get that because you kind of had to reintroduce Superman. Because like it said, it's been nearly 20 years. People might not know the backstory anymore. However, at this time, you also had Smallville going on on WB. I saw Superman Returns in theaters, and I, I'm not the biggest like Superman guy. I know the history. I've seen all of, all of them. And Never. I'm the Superman guy. You're the Superman guy. So when a couple parts of this movie, like the he gets her pregnant and then I don't what happens to him he gets like kryptonite poisoning yeah thanks to Lex Luthor and then by Kevin Spacey he goes to the hospital and when he goes to the hospital and they're trying to put the IV in him and his body like rejects the needle I'm like oh my god that's hokey now I always thought like they cast Brandon Routh because they're like he looks a lot like Christopher Reeve I think he's perfect to be Superman I thought he was pretty good I will take this Superman over the bullshit that is Man of Steel and all that fraudulent Zack Snyder garbage. But that's neither here for there. We're talking cars, damn it. Hey, George Michael, what do you think of the car scene? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to the Sports Machine. In sports, Kevin and I, one of our favorite sports, as you guys know about already, golf. Phil Mickelson blows the lead on the 18th hole to Jeff Ogilvie after hitting the dead left off the tee, not once, but twice, to lose the United States Open. By one shot. Chester Ogilvie. <laughs> Check out season uh, three. Yeah, I'm pretty sure three. Apple, Spotify, Podbean. You'll know who we're talking about. Because we either reference Brandon Fraser as Chester Ogilvie or Linkovich Chomovsky. Yeah. Which is still one of the best names in movie history. I love it. It's only a matter of time before he ends up in the Fast franchise. The NBA Finals, Kevin. The Miami Heat beat the Dallas Mavericks 95-92 in game six. For their first title in franchise history, the MVP, D-Wade, helped it check, ended up on that team as well. Yeah, a little bit. The number one song in America for this time, Shakira. I love it, I'm a hipster so like. I'm on tonight, and I'm a hipster so like. And I'm starting to feel it's right. All the attraction, the tension. Don't you see, baby, this is perfection. Oh, Wyclef. With Wyclef. All right. And the number one movie in America, another movie I have not seen, but then again, I don't think I really am in the demographic for it, Cars. Okay. So it ties in well with this movie. Yeah, Cars was the number I one think movie. I Lightning McQueen is in uh, Fast 9. Probably is. He is going to end up killing somebody, and then they're going to retcon it, and it'll all tie in together. But that's all that was going on in June of 06. Besides, a ton going through all this news, it's Iraq War every other news story so yeah that's what was going on in the I world i remember watching the uh they launched a missile live or something i can remember i remember when the invasion started on the 19th yes. of march in yep. 03 no, yep i can remember that all right let's drift into the plot of fast and furious tokyo drift yes not uh moscow drift or anything <laughs> definitely tokyo yeah the movie gets right into gear 
Pardon the pun. Oh, Jesus Christ. We meet high school student Sean Boswell. Yeah, high school. All right. Look at that dude. Yeah, he's 23, playing a 17-year-old. Me and you have always talked about this. We've covered a lot of high school-type movies. Last week, for instance, Porky's. These guys, especially Sean here, does not look like a high school dude. We'll have to put together a list on one of these episodes where we basically give our most offensive high school casting. He might be near the top of the list. I mean, 23 playing 17, but he probably looks older than 23. He looks 27. I mean, some of this stuff, you've got like 30-year-olds playing high school students. We'll have to put together a list. A high school hottie is admiring Sean's 1971 Monte Carlo. Nice ride. Does the job. What job? Delivering pizzas. It's not the ride. It's the rider. Which causes jealousy from her jock boyfriend, Zachary Ty Bryan. Brad Taylor from of Home Improvement fame, which he should have been. What was his name? In this movie? No, in Home Improvement. Oh, Brad Taylor. Brad Taylor. He should have been Brad Taylor in this movie. How great would that have been? And his dad should have been Tim the Toolman Taylor. That development they raced through were by Binford Hardware. Yes, Binford Hardware building. And then his dad shows up at the police station. And he goes, oh. And that's why they said their dad's connected. Don't yeah. get him out. Yeah, because it's Tim the Toolman Taylor. They should have just done that. Oh, and been then great. Tim the Toolman Taylor, who collected muscle cars. Is in the Yakuza. <laughs> He's Gaijin Yakuza. Yes. Yeah, so the, the girlfriend is admiring uh, Sean's Monte Carlo. Zachary Ty Bryan's like, hey, man, I don't like that. This girl's kind of, a, I don't know, an instigator because she's doing this on she purpose. She stirs the shit. She does. So Zachary Ty Bryan has the dumbest possible high school car, a 2003 Dodge Viper, which is an $80,000 car at this time. Yeah, what high school kid doesn't have a Viper? It's like what Hulk Hogan drove, but yet a high school kid has a Viper. I had a Dodge in high school. It was a Neon. Yeah, not not the same. It's kind of like a Viper. <laughs> I sang enough money you put it. A, yeah, I was going to say, you put enough money in that. It was a drift car. Neon to, to be on par with the price of a Viper. So during the race, Sean pulls a twister, drives his car through a house. The race ends with a pretty gnarly wreck where the jock with his girlfriend in the car, they hit a cement pipe head on. Pretty much an absolutely big logic issue because they should be damn Instant near dead. Death. Oh, yeah. yeah. While Sean loses control and he rolls his Monte Carlo, the jock and his girlfriend get out of any trouble because of their wealthy families. Again, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Sean is a repeat offender, and this is strike three, so he gets sent to live with his dad in Japan, who is a Navy officer stationed in Tokyo. Otherwise, it's jail. Logic issue again, <laughs> because why do you just get to move and therefore your crime just goes away? Hey, you're facing five years. It's your choice. Hard time or Japan? Yeah. Once in Japan, Sean meets another American named Twinkie. Japanese food is like the army. Don't ask, don't tell. Name's Twinkie. Hey, I noticed you ain't have a laptop. Yeah. I'll hook you up. Half price. No, I'm cool. 60% off. Hmm? Since we're both army brats and everything. I ain't got no cash, man. And I ain't an army brat. No offense. But I'm probably not going to be here long enough to remember your name. Who is also there because of a military family. While in Tokyo, Twinkie introduces Sean to drift racing. Drifting is a driving technique where the driver intentionally oversteers into a turn while losing traction, causing the car to slide or drift through the turn while the driver maintains control of the car. So you know what we're talking about. Basically, the car slides through the turn 
you turn back in, you use the e-brake. Yeah, or see Ken Block. Yeah, there's a, a, a bunch of ways to do it. Jim Cotta. Be- because Sean is a magnet for trouble, he instantly has a confrontation with Takashi. Uh-oh. The Drift King. Oh. Can he drive? Can he drive? You know what DK stands for? Donkey Kong. Drift King. Once again, because Sean talked to a girl, talks to a girl, and therefore he has to race. That's pretty much, we've seen this kid twice, both times, talks to a girl, has to race. So horny. Happens to me all the time. I was at Dunkin' Donuts, and I started talking to this girl in line about just, hey, that's a good choice of donut you made. And then her boyfriend came in and he's like, you're fucking racing me right now. So he's, he's actually DK the donut king. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, dude, I drive a minivan. I'm married. And he's like, no, dude, we're fucking, we're doing five laps around Duncan. <laughs> and I'm like, winner gets the keys and a latte. So I went around the first lap and I went just out in the street and I left. There you go. But he's still the donut king. <laughs> so despite not knowing how to drift, Sean races Takashi in a Nissan Silvia loaned from a racer named Han against Takashi's Nissan 350Z. Zed. 350Z. Because things go spectacularly bad, as you could have guessed, Sean begins to work for Han to repay his debt for the destroyed car. You have to, man. Earn your cape. You fucked up his ride. Get in. I'll get you your money. Why are you talking like you have a choice? Sean and Han become fast friends. That rhymed. Yeah, exactly. Sean Han. Because their names rhymed. That's what they bonded over. Han teaches Sean how to drift because he admires how Sean stood up to Takashi, who has ties to Yakuza. After Sean gets the hang of drifting, he defeats DK's right-hand man, Morimoto, in a race. Who looks like an English new wave singer. He does. He has a blonde mullet. Takashi and Morimoto come after Sean, Han, and Neela, which is Takashi's ex. Hey, brother. I vouch for you, put my reputation on the line for you, we're partners. You think you keep your side deals from me? Come on, you ain't the Boy Scouts, it's what we do. During the ensuing chase, Morimoto is killed, he gets in a head-on collision. Then Han is T-boned and his car explodes, wink wink. Yeah, we'll get into that. All of this is a result of Han stealing money from Takashi, hence stealing from the Yakuza. After an armed standoff, Twinkie gives Sean money to make things right, but Sean still proposes a loser leaves Tokyo race with Takashi on the condition that it takes place on a mountain. Almost there, Twink. Couple more tweets. It's not the car I'm worried about, man. DK picked this road for a reason. This is his mountain. He's the only one to ever make it to the bottom. We'll talk about that entire thing later, how the race gets set up and the race itself. Sean, along with Han's crew, restore his dad's 67 Mustang with the engine and parts from the wrecked Sylvia Sean borrowed from Han originally. Sean wins the race on the mountain and is now the Drift King with all of our characters able to enjoy their freedom from the reign of Takashi. At the end of the movie, Dominic Toretta shows up to challenge Sean to a race. That's right. I won it from our friend Han a few years ago. I didn't know he was into American muscle was when he was rolling with me. 
know this ain't no 10 second race. I got nothing but time. You ready, kid? That race would be virtually impossible with Dom's car. Yeah, that's like my favorite logic point we'll yep. get into later. Let's get into characters. Lucas Black is Sean Boswell, 23 years old, playing a 17-year-old. Looks 32. Bow Wow, formerly Little Bow Wow. He's older now, Kevin. He earned that right. Playing Twinkie. Sung Kong. Sung Kong, there you go. As Han Liu, which is DK's business partner, friend of Dominic Toretto, man of a mystery age. And probably the best character in the entire franchise. Maybe. Brian T. as Takashi, also known as DK, the Drift King. Natalie Kelly as Neela, very curious accent. She says she's from Japan. She's actually Australian. Yeah, she has the Aussie accent. She doesn't really try to give off the vibe that she's from Japan. She's gorgeous regardless. Oh, yeah. She's a looker. Sonny Chiba as Kamada, the head of the Yakuza. Looking like Wayne Newton. Great. A bunch of other people. We have Morimoto, Major Boswell, Zachary Ty Bryan as Clay. Again, they missed the boat by not having him play his home improvement character because it just ties in so great. You talking to my girl? Oh, shit. Here we go. She was just a mine. My rod. <laughs> My grandma's Buick could smoke that piece of shit trailer trash. <laughs> what about your daddy's Viper? This beast got 500 horsepower and a boiler exhaust system. It does zero to 60 in like 4.3 seconds. That's about right. That's about right. Wow. You can read the brochure. And then Mark Sinclair as Dominic Dom Toretto. Yes. Vin Diesel. All right, Jim. So who is the MVP who gives the best performance? It's it's slam dunk. It's Han. Without Han, there's no movie. Han is the central character within this movie. He takes Sean under his wing. He teaches him how to drift. You're representing me now. What you think? I'm going to let you roll in a Hyundai? As he is stealing money from the Yakuza, mind you. Yeah. He's a fucking rebel. He's stealing money from the Yakuza. He's helping Sean overcome the bullshit of Drift King and be a part of Japanese society, even though he is Gaijin. I will agree 100% that it's Han, but entirely for different reasons. He just likes snacks. Here, I'll throw a little trivia at you. Gal Gadot ends up being his girlfriend. She notices that he eats a lot of snacks. I'm sorry, it was Fast Five. And she's like, I got out of the military probably at the same time you quit smoking. The amount of chips you eat, the way you always have to keep your hands and mouth busy, you are a two-pack a day man for sure. Unfiltered. So that's why he always has an oral fixation because he used to smoke and he gave it up. They retconned his snack thing. Yes, they retconned everything. That's why this franchise is so awesome. Way to go, guys. I like that. With that said, let's find out which scenes made a splash. Ichiban. I I think we got to start right off at the back, Kevin. We got to start with that first drift race. Hey, man, Hans Leibang ain't cheap, man. You feel me? If I needed a 30-second lesson on how to drift... All right, look, man, there's lots of ways you can do this, all right? Handbraking is the easiest. So the first thing I want you to do, I want you to rip that e-brake. All right, after you rip the e-brake, then I want you to power over. You know what? Just don't mess up Mona, all right? Yes. How ridiculous is this drift race? First of all, a guy that is used to racing a quarter mile. You're just going to say, hey, man, you're going to challenge this guy. You want to, you know, get up on his girl. Hey, I'll lend you my car. Just fucking whip it around the world's biggest playground known as a cement parking garage. No, no cars, no businessmen, no one parking in this garage. Nothing. Yakuza told him to clear out. But you think he asks Bow Wow 
for like a 30 second crash well, course in drifting. He's already agreed to the race before he even asks Bow Wow Twinkie. He says, what's drifting? <laughs> and and then, uh, we have a problem here. And buddy. then he's actually physically in the car when he goes, say, I might need a, a 30 second introduction to drifting. And Twinkie starts like trying to explain it to him. And then he gives up. I mean, granted in that first, before he hits the first turn and he eats shit against the pillar, I brought it up during a movie. He literally just could have kept right on going. Yeah. I mean, he could have gotten front and just did slow turns because there is not enough room for two cars side by side. Yes. So technically he could have became drift King at the very beginning of the movie, even if he couldn't drift. Yeah. And Takashi, you know, we see the slow motion shot, his drifting where he's an inch from the wall. Meanwhile, Sean is all nearly taking out people. There are so many amazing Michael Bay slow-mo yeah. glory shots in this yeah. movie. It is really great cinematography. Now, I do like everything else surrounding that scene. So the race itself is great. When Twinkie brings him here in the music and you see all the, the, the soundtrack, the fashion of all the kids and you see all the cars, you know, it's that whole tuner car scene that <laughs> I, I don't know if it was before or after that when all the kids, you know, would park on the strip with their neons oh, of cars. And no, after the first Fast and the Furious movie, that's when everything started. But the first Fast and Furious movie was all muscle cars. Not all of them. No, those were import tuners, too. Okay. Yeah, quarter milers. All right. So I have the race to open the movie. First one out the other side. Make it interesting, Cliff. Oh, yeah. So, again, the the girlfriend is admiring Sean's car. Typical blonde. Yeah, just blonde, you know, cheerleader type. She's admiring Sean's car. She forces her boyfriend to race Sean. So, a Dodge Viper going against this Monte Carlo. That looks like a hoopty. I mean, exterior-wise, it is not in the greatest shape. They go to a neighborhood where there is no... It's a development where no house... Under is, construction. Yeah, the entire development's under construction. None of these houses in. are completed. And then I don't know what the rules of the race are, but Sean, you know, he's doing well in the race, but he ends up on an, a different street and then he makes this big jump. And then when he gets arrested, like he says to the cop, can I get a copy of that? Before the, the jump, he drives through a house, twister style, destroys it, destroys it, then makes the jump, puts him in the lead. That's when Zachary Ty Bryant and his girlfriend run into a huge cement pipe and probably should have died. People need to understand a Viper of that era. It's a fiberglass car. Yeah. That concrete pillar or whatever, that pipe, it would be like Swiss cheese. Yeah, it would have tore that car in hand. Yeah, no, they would have been torn in hand. Yeah, half. so the, but the, the reason the scene's effective is because it really just sets the tone. Like, we see that Sean is a capable driver, that he's an adrenaline junkie, that he's got this competitive streak. So, it's a cool action sequence to open the movie, and it's also giving us it's just if you're a writer you know to show the audience not tell them so we don't need a bunch of exposition to tell us who sean is they just show us right off the bat so that's it's a great scene i also like the scene it's kind of a more subtle scene it's not an action scene it's they're on top of the rooftop why did you let me race with your car you knew i was gonna wreck it why not because it's a lot of money i have money it's trust and character I need around me. Yeah, who you choose to be around you, but you know who you are. You're 
one car in exchange for knowing what a man's made of. That's a price I can live with. Which me and you both said, that soccer court on top of that yeah. roof, fucking awesome. Yeah, futsal. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's futsal. Because what, they have the they have netting all around the yep. entire thing? Yep. And the other scene that sticks out, Han is explaining to Sean why he doesn't race anymore. Yes. So if you race DK, why not? See that good? What's the point of a race? See if I'm better than the other guy. Just proves you're faster, that's all. If I were to race, it would have to be for something important. Well, why else do it at all? It is a great background, and that's why Han is probably the most important character in this franchise, because then you understand his roots and why he is the way he is, and how he ended up relating to the family. Yeah. So, that scene, I believe it's the same scene, they blow by the cops, and they're going 197 kilometers per hour. And Sean goes like, uh-oh, because yeah. there's a cop sitting on the side of the road. What the? Police cars here only factory to can do better than 180K. They can't catch you. So they don't even try. You know what? I'm beginning to like this country already. And the cops don't pull out because... They can't catch a car going over 180 That's kilometers. what Han tells Sean. So they don't even try. Nope. So if you're going too fast, the cops just don't even attempt. Then again, the cops also know there's probably a Yakuza tie-in. So oh, you probably. know fucking with that because yeah. the cops are in the Yakuza's pocket anyways. Also in a scene with Sean and Han in the car, Han does the famous 360 degree ongoing drift <laughs> around on these girls. Block. So. These girls are sitting in a car at in the, the middle intersection. of an intersection of a busy. Yeah, there's business all around them yeah. except that They're intersection. They're sitting in an intersection, and this car, Hans' orange car, whatever it is, is coming head on like chicken at them, full speed. And the girls' reaction is not to be like, "Oh fuck." Their reaction is to like smile and wink at each other. Female boners. Yeah. So then Han drives towards them, and then somehow forms a huge circle around them tears up the street tears up the tires yeah and at the end of it she hands her phone number we assume phone number out the window wouldn't have been funnier if it, she would have handed him you know those things in elementary school where you'd fold it in your hands it'd be a number and a color <laughs> yeah. that'd be great i wish that she handed him a piece of paper and then when han opened it it was a taco bell receipt <laughs> <laughs> just a random Taco Bell receipt. Four cheesy gordita crunches. Excellent. It's worth its weight in gold. My final scene is we had to get to that final race. It's for the Drift King glory down the mountain where we have to only assume that the previous people that went up against the Drift King on that mountain, everybody succumbed to death falling off the cliff. Yeah. It's one of the most, once again, it's Michael Bay eye candy, slow-mo cut scenes. I fucking love it. But there's a lot of technical issues we'll with this entire scene, but later. we will talk about it. I, You know, the thing about that scene is just a number of questions. I know why, because it just makes a more pleasing scene. But, like, they could have done that at the day in the day. Yeah. It's more dramatic at, it night. at night. Yeah. And Sean does it in a, a 67 Mustang. That weighs a ton. Rather than a, a tuner car, which I don't understand. If Han's dead, then he's got 50 cars. Yeah, you think so. Why not take one of his They could have just taken one of his cars because Sean's living at Han's place. They just took an engine to put in his dad's Mustang yeah. Yeah. that he's been working on. The last scene I'll mention, Sean and Neela's date where he is so hokey. It's actually not bad. I didn't even have to put ketchup on it. See, I'm not a total guy, oh. I don't even have to put ketchup on this. Country bumpkin. They, they go drifting together. It's like 
five or six cars all drifting. It's like ass sliding. Yeah, which the ketchup thing's even weirder because they buy food from a vending machine. And the translation from Japanese for what they ate is meat spaghetti. Mm-hmm. So they eat meat spaghetti and he goes i don't even have to put ketchup on this hey when your instant messenger name is bama boy and her instant messenger name is drift girl and you don't need to use fancy ketchup i'm pretty sure sean would use catsup yeah. he would use hunts <laughs> all right well it's it's hot you're in a race car you're sweating you get in the pool but then you can only spend like 45 minutes in the pool in At an least. hour because they have to get you out so you can sell some concessions yeah so when they do that, it's time for a pool check. Pool check! Pool king! I'm PK, the pool king. <laughs> I'm the new pool king. Pool sceners, this week we're going to introduce a new kind of pool check that we will revisit moving forward. We're pretty much out of music videos. Yeah, we're... I think we've done most of the years yeah. that are active for music videos. Yeah. Somewhere around, you know, I think we said like 81 to 2003-ish. Yeah, we're getting into this era where music videos started becoming few and far between. So rather than do music videos, I think sometimes we're going to do this new segment. Now, I didn't bother to look, but I think that this would be a great premise for its own standalone podcast, we're going to be doing Mount Rushmore's. So for those of you maybe overseas or in school systems that don't teach U.S. history, Mount Rushmore is a monument in South Dakota featuring the heads of four U.S. presidents carved into a mountainside. Jim, can you name them? Washington, Lincoln, Jefferson, Roosevelt. Wow, good job. Trump! <laughs> yeah, they want it. Fuck. The fascinating part, and I'm... They want to rename Mosquito Lake, which is a, a park near us. They want to rename it Trump Park. You know what? Go ahead and name it Trump Park. The fucking water is brown. It smells like ass. He is ass. Give him the name. Fuck the, that. Guy. The fascinating part of Mount Rushmore is with is that it only has enough space for four spots. Yeah. So with presidents, who's to say that these were the four appropriate presidents? Somebody might have been like, what about John Quincy Adams? What about God Grover damn Cleveland? Millard Fillmore. So how do you decide who makes the cut? So we might do the Mount Rushmore of rock and roll, the NBA Mount Rushmore, or the Mount Rushmore of actors. You yeah. know, you've got a lot of options. And the fun part is basically defending your choices because there are things that are going to get omitted. We are going to be doing action movies this week. So there should be some consensus. You and I should at least have a couple of the same ones. And we only have, I'm assuming we're only doing four. Four. Yeah, yeah that's right. Four movies that make the cut. <sighs> so rough. So I will go first. The first movie, I guess you'd carve the DVD cover into the mountain. The first movie that is on the Mount Rushmore of action movies, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Totally agree with that. Written and directed by James Cameron. I would say arguably... It's like 1A and 1B, the greatest action movie of all time. You could put four Arnold movies probably on the Mount Rushmore oh God, of action movies. Definitely. But this one checks both important action movie and Arnold Schwarzenegger movie because you can't have a Mount Rushmore of action movies without Arnold Schwarzenegger. I agree. In my opinion, there's a handful of movies. You put any one of them on there. I'm not going to fight you too much. So first spot on mine, Terminator 2. So my George Washington spot, first head or DVD cover movie poster up for me. We're visiting Arnold Schwarzenegger again. This time I'm going with him as Colonel John Matrix in Commando. Yeah. 
Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like I, like I said, you put any Arnold movie on here. Ugh. I'm not going to be too mad as long as at least one's on there. Fucking Bennett. You son of a bitch. Yeah, just muscle candy type movie. It is the who gives a shit about plot. It's a dude who's a muscle man blowing shit up. You put, saving his daughter. You put Predator on there. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. Any Arnold movie. So I'm fine with Except that. Except Hercules in New York. So in my case, you know, we, we pretty much we're fine. Okay. You, you, Terminator 2, Commando. Same thing. Different sides of a coin. Okay. Who's your second head? The so I said there's two action movies where you have a one A one B greatest action movie of all time. It's Die Hard. It spawned a whole subgenre of action movie that Hollywood's still churning out. Again, if Terminator Two is not the greatest action movie of all time, it's Die Hard. This is also my second head is Die Hard as well. Yeah, so that's how really it should go. I mean, is there's a couple that are going to be consensus. Die Hard. If you're voting at home along with us and you're telling us your Mount Rushmore of action movies, and please do. Yeah, I think this is an excellent. Nobody can not have Die Hard on here. This is another thing about action movies that put it near the top of your Mount Rushmore list and always put this into perspective and always remember action movies need a great line. The line to end all lines and yippee Kaye motherfucker is one of the best lines and it's also delivered in the best Christmas movie of all time as well. So we did Fight not... Fight me, fuckers. We right? did not really lay out guidelines for what makes a great action movie, but I'd say the action. The action, kill counts, lines. The star the of the star. movie. And one-liners. That's yeah. pretty much the formula. Now, whether you know, you've know you got a main character chasing drugs, you've got a main character fighting terrorists, you've got a main character playing goalie in a hockey game. Goldberg? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, John, yeah, John claude Van Damme, sudden yeah. death. But so my next movie... It goes the drug dealer route. Okay. Robocop. Oh, yes. Weird concept where they save a dying cop by putting his brain into a robot to fight drug dealers in gunfights. And the criterion collection of this sums it all up. This is on my Mount Rushmore because there's a thousand action movies that wish they could be Robocop and aren't. They can't come close. Lots of great death scenes. Lots of one-liners. It's pretty scary. It's also fucking hilarious. It's really great. Robocop is like at times very scary, but it, it's so funny. It's just this robot saying like, move it, creep. Better alive. You're coming with me. Yeah. Just a dude, a slow moving robot shooting a gun that's in his hip. It's with a great action, like jingle soundtrack to it as well. Every time Robocop is on the move, it's yeah. action movies. Again, there's, there's ones that are you know, more car chase scenes. There's ones that are more army, army based. I agree. Robocop, it gives you that more sci-fi and horror. That's why you could probably swap out Robocop for Predator. Yeah. And again, that would probably work. So, but I got Robocop third. Okay. So this is where my Jefferson slot is going to be a total deviation. All right. Three men and a baby. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Tom Hanks saving private Ryan. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I I went back and forth a lot about this, but I put myself in where I, when I first saw this movie in 97, going into movie theaters, holy fuck, I'm on Normandy. Yeah. I'm on Normandy Beach. Just the out of focus shots, the head shots, the, the blood spraying on the camera. It's like the first movie, and there's been thousands of war movies, but this is the one where you're like, holy shit, this is what they actually went through on Normandy Beach. It. It's one of those things where it's like, you cannot deny the fact that not only is this a historical movie, taking some liberties, of course, it's an amazing action film. 
Just that opening scene for an action sequence is legendary. Let's say they were actually building a Mount Rushmore of action movies somewhere and you hired a panel, a commission, your contact, you know, panel to determine the the committee and, and stuff. I think the way you would do an action movie Mount Rushmore would be like, a sci-fi action movie, an army action movie. Yeah, break it into genres. Like a chase action movie and, you know, an X-Fact, whatever. I think that's probably where it would fall. So a war movie being on, I don't have any war movies, but a war movie being on there, I'm not mad at that at all. Excellent. I think it's fine. So my last one, my fourth slot. Who's your Roosevelt? Probably controversial. Maybe not. I, I just, I think a lot of people would say it's maybe not good enough to be on there. It's point break. Ooh. So it's directed by James Cameron's ex-wife, Catherine Bigelow, James Cameron, Terminator 2. Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, a cop infiltrates a gang of adrenaline junkie bank robbers. Bank robbery, gunfights, meets chase scenes, meets surfing and skydiving, meets Anthony Kiedis. I don't know. Whether it had to do with being directed from a woman's point of view, but this movie has like a beautiful softness to it that a lot of action movies don't. You know, a lot of action movies go for the death, the chase scenes, you know, the action, which this movie has the adrenaline turned up to 11, but this movie also has this bromance where Keanu Reeves knows that Bodhi's his guy, but he can't bring him down because it's his buddy. It's, it's just got this. Great dynamic. Ties into Fast and the Furious, man. Yep. Brian starts getting buddy with Dom, and yep. he doesn't want to bring him down. Yep, and and no doubt was probably influenced by Point Break. I would say so. Point Break, the reason I like it is because it introduced this new layer. Again, there's there's Army. There's like shoot 'em ups drug dealers. This one kind of takes the bank heist, bank robbery. Surfing. But then it adds the surfing, yep. and it adds skydiving, and it adds these like adrenaline junkies who just like, Fast motorcycles, fast cars. I love Point Break, and I will. I'm putting it on my Mount Rushmore. That's coming up on season six of the podcast next season. Also, it's another movie in which Keanu Reeves plays a college quarterback. Yeah, this as Johnny Utah and the replacements as Shane Falco, Ohio State quarterback. Both Ohio State quarterbacks, crazy. So my Teddy Roosevelt on my Mount Rushmore of action movies, and I can't just pick one of these movies. It's it's a whole franchise. Okay. It's another Colonel, Colonel John Rambo. All right. Jesus Christ. Especially yeah. in the fourth Rambo movie. I think it has the highest kill count in any movie ever made. Yeah. Even in the first movie, only time you hear Rambo talk is at the very end. Mm-hmm. All he does is fucking stay in the woods of Vietnam and kick ass. Yeah. That's the Stallone I want. Well, it, it's funny because if you did action stars as a Mount Rushmore, Arnold, Stallone, those two are on there 100% for sure. Big time. I don't know that you'd put Bruce Willis on there despite being in Die Hard. I think he'd be like a B-list. Keanu honestly might be on there. Under A he or did, B? He did Point Break. Speed. Speed. John Wick. Matrix. The Matrix. That's actually a really I mean, point. how do you not put Keanu Reeves on there? Now do you think about that? I'm sure he's point. probably got some other action movies too. Like, you have to put Keanu Reeves on there. Man, when you think about it like that, you break it down, shit, yeah. And then I I don't know who else. I mean, I don't know who the fourth spot is because you could say, okay, Bruce Willis, because he did a thousand action movies. I got one. I got one too, another one. Jason Statham. Okay, but 
Statham. He's kind of become What's your modern his, day badass. Is his iconic movie Fast and Furious franchise? If, if probably now, but he, the Transporter, Crank. Yeah, but those are all yeah, C level sure. action. I mean, they're good, but they're yeah. all yeah, none right. of them are iconic. Okay, Nicholas Cage. Con Air, like he had that whole The Rock, the rock. Face Off, yeah, Face Off. He had he had the three, yeah. You had him. I mean, that one would be good. We'll have to actually maybe revisit that. So, with that said, let's go through some uh, some things that you could oh go my to God. go to your deathbed arguing need to be on there. Okay. So we said Commando and Predator, Speed, Star Wars. Yeah. Now Star Wars, you might be able to keep it off the mountain by saying it's just sci-fi. The hardest one for me probably to keep off Top Gun. Yeah. Tom Cruise could be on the action star. Oh, God. All the Mission Impossible movies. Dude yes. does his own stunts. Yeah. Top Gun kind of has the bromance and is a romance. Totally different kind of action movie. You could take the cheap way out here and say the Expendables because they're all in one no. movie. You could take the cheap way I out. I know. And you could say it in a checks all the boxes sort of way. And here's another one for you. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Lethal Weapon. Bad Boys 2. Con Air. Face off, we mentioned those. Independence Day. Yeah. For summer blockbusters. I know. Armageddon. Jurassic Park. The Matrix. Probably Fast Five, but you could just say the Fast and Furious franchise. I think anything beyond five, you can definitely put and it in one there. One for me that's underrated, maybe it's probably a top five action movie of all time, is Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, which is definitely. Just, it's fucking awesome, but like. It doesn't have the icon status. But you know what you could also throw in there? Superhero movies. Superhero movies. I mean, Marvel look, movies. Fuck, dude. Talk about action movies. Yeah. It would, Batman, The Dark Knight. I mean, I, I I think that if we assembled a team or a panel to decide who to put on there, it would be like a hung jury situation because you would have at least one person say, Marvel movies are the most important action thing ever. There were 21 movies over 20 years or whatever. And then you'll have ones that say, no, we can't put this in there. It yeah, has to be its own thing. This is the highest grossing movie of all time and all this. And so you'd have those people who would argue so much. I totally agree. But I think like you, it's its own thing. You mm -hmm. know, it's cheating in a way because there are so many movies. I agree. Not, you know, I, we're not putting a franchise up there. We're putting individual movies. I know because you're a big Tarantino guy and I'm not. You could yeah. throw Kill Bill in there. You could. Yeah, you could throw. If you want to. You could throw a number, like a couple of Tarantino movies on there. So that was pretty fun. It, it went off pretty well. I think we had, I, I was, I'm fine with your list. I think you're probably fine with mine. Controversial pick being uh, Point Break. Robocop, I, like I said, could get swapped out for Predator. The amazing thing about doing the Mount Rushmore is you can call somebody out on the bullshit of their movie. Yeah. And then have a reasonable explanation of why that shouldn't be on that well, list. Do you want to bring it subjective. up? We did the the Mount Rushmore of metal one time. Yeah, we did. Oh. And you said that on your Mount Rushmore of metal should be Montrose. Yes. And like me and other people in that room and most of our listeners... Who is Montrose? Montrose was the band that Sammy Hagar was a part of in the 70s that a lot of heavy metal bands have said, if it wasn't for Montrose, we would not be where we were today. And while I understand that. It, they're not mainstream, but you need to listen to Montrose I, to understand. I get it, but they're not one of the greatest metal bands of all time. They're not, but that, influential. That's yes. like putting, that's like making a Mount Rushmore of NBA and putting on your. Jordan, LeBron, 
Magic, Magic, Bird, and who? Who's the guy that was dominant in the forties or fifties? And then you're like, the game was different back yeah, then. You like, can't yeah, add them. It's like remember, Chamberlain. I can't remember his name. John Havlicek. No, there Bill Russell. A, way back, there was a big white dude. Honus Wagner. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but like, you know, and people would be like, "All right, I know who is that guy." Yeah, you know, just because he paved the way doesn't mean that he's. But that's what's so great about this Mount Rushmore concept. It yeah. can go so many ways, and you're trying to battle why you should have your own. You have such a limited space on that mountain yes. to put it. Yes. It's fun when there's uh, topics that are, there's 50 choices. Yeah, best Rosie O'Donnell movie. Yes. It's, exit uh, to Eden. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> yes. I think we should build an exit to Eden mountain. Though, I want a cardboard cutout. She's hot. Ugh. 87 whoopee too. Uh, uh, 87 whoopee too. <laughs> The sequel, 88 Whoopi. Yeah. Everyone, please tell us what Mount Rushmore you want to hear us talk about. And also, please send us your, uh, there's Jim set up a new Facebook group. Yes, it's for, the Pool Seniors group on Facebook. So we will have exclusive content on, on the Pool Seniors Facebook. Please tell us who your Mount Rushmore of action movies are. That will be our first topic in the group. What's on your action movie Mount Rushmore. We can't stress enough, people. Check us out on every bit of social media that we're a part of, but join the Facebook group because there's going to be exclusive stuff that you can't get access to anywhere else but there. It's kind of, we're going to try that out, see what happens. Take your last bite and rush back because they just, they're blowing the whistle. Everybody's going to get back in the pool. Everybody back in the pool! All right, we got two critical questions this week. First, just kind of a throwaway and a a goofy one. What other fictional driver character would you add to the Fast and Furious franchise? Burt Reynolds is the bandit. All right. I think that makes perfect sense. You'd have to go back and tie him in somehow. Just have Finn Diesel go. I remember when the bandit was a part of the family. Now, I really like Stuntman Mike from Death Proof, the Tarantino movie. He's just psychotic and unhinged, and he's got this killer car. And it just to see him terrorize the fast characters with this killer car, kind of cool. There's a bunch. I mean, there's a ton. Like, as far as we go back, yeah. there's always been racing movies. Put fucking Kid in it. Yeah, put Kid Michael in Knight. It. Put, uh... You know, and and we could find ways to make it continuity-wise to make it work. At this rate in the Fast franchise, anything is possible. Optimus Prime. Why the hell not? <laughs> and so that transitions perfectly. The second critical question. When you think about this movie, especially the two before it, and then you think about where this franchise is currently at and where it's going. For example, a main character's gone because the death of Paul Walker. So that character used to be the main character of the franchise. I cried in a movie theater watching that scene it, at the end of Furious 7. He's no longer in the movies. No, in, in movie canon, he went off to have a family with Dom's sister and they had a child. There's been a superhuman villain, essentially, in the Hobbs and Shaw spinoff. So like a... But that's not really a part of canon. Even though it is, okay, it isn't. All right. Which is weird. Yeah. I, it's dumb. Well, characters from the movie fought a supervillain then. In the new movie has a, which is what? Fast, Fast 9. It's called Fast 9. Fast 9. Okay. So Fast 9 has a super magnet airplane. Yeah. That like attaches that? itself to cars and then can push other cars out of the way. And <laughs> there's like a scene where somebody <laughs> jumps off a cliff and the, 
It's tied to a tether, yeah. and John Cena is Toretto's brother. <laughs> Which makes oh my God, total sense. It's so great. They look just like each other. I know. So, with all of that said, how could this franchise possibly end? What would be enough? Is Dom going to race an alien in a spaceship through a volcano and then tell the inhabitants of a new planet that they're family? You know, this, this franchise is cockroaches and Twinkies <laughs> in that no matter what's thrown their way, they survive. And not only do they survive, they get bigger and more outrageous. It's like when John Taffer found that black mold in a freezer. Look at this! Oh my God. This place is dangerous, for Christ's sakes. Nobody eats this freaking food. And it just like, get out, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it, it like this franchise just keeps growing despite the odds. It's to the point where it can get so ridiculous. I'll lead it up. We'll all lead up. This is a billion, multi-billion dollar franchise now. This movie was the write-off, but now it's a multi-billion dollar franchise. I think Fast 10, because they signed on to do 8, 9, and 10. You have to go to space. I think that's the best thing to do. How you have to conclusively end this franchise is Dom has to die. I think that's the only easiest way to say, hey, we've been through it all. And say you have one final scene where they're walking off and something happens to Dom. Say if he just drops dead. Because you have to think, Dom's in his 50s at this point. Who are our heroes at this point? Dom, Ludacris, you'd have Tyrese. You technically have Luke Hobbs. Technically. Even though that's why I said Hobbs and Shaw isn't really canon because now Shaw in that movie is a good guy. There's a lot well, going on. Well, you got John Cena in nine. Yeah, who so, he could end up going babyface at the end. You have Michelle Rodriguez. Oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, he's Toretto's brother, but he's a bad guy. Oh. You have Letty. You have, well, Jordana Brewster went off with Paul Walker to, you know, spend their life together. So you have a good core well, crew. The reason I ask is because in your theory where Vin Diesel, Dom, dies whatever just villain of the week kills him and then how does that end the movie i don't know if a villain should kill him i just think his body should give up on him he's lived his life oh, you a think quarter. he should just dive natural causes i think he should dive natural or something sudden like he lived his life a quarter mile at a time and life finally caught up to him because i think that should be his best send-off or something really random happened where he dies and you see this flashback of all the movies and he sees brian and he I, goes off to I be with think, brian i mean we're, we're definitely in like a you know for those who don't know what deus ex machina refers to in movies it so they used to do these train car stage plays where They'd have all the actors in a tra- an open train car performing a play. The characters would just get into deeper and deeper and deeper shit where it's like, how are they going to get out of this? And yeah. A lot of movies, action movies especially, are written this way where it's like Dexter is like, if you've ever watched Dexter, the TV show, that's the ultimate example. Dexter, no matter how many mistakes he makes... He continues to get out of it. And And then he became a lumberjack and now they're redoing the wrongs and he's coming back. He's got a new name. So Deus Ex Machina is literally translate like hand of God or God hand of machine, whatever it is. Basically, when they did the Deus Ex Machina ending on these train car plays, they would literally have a crane, which represented the hand of God. The hand of God would hand pick the character and remove them from the situation. We've got to the point in the Fast and Furious movies where if Dom died, like the story doesn't end is what I'm saying. They've got themselves into such a big hole with the moving parts of the franchise. There's so much. If Dom dies, it just keeps going. So like, how do they end 
the story. How do they tie? How are they at peace? How do they retire? At this point, do you have to save Earth at this rate? The, what Earth, else can you do? The Earth has to end. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what happens if the world just blows up? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how we get out of this. So, uh, all right, let's get into logic. It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. All right, first, if Han had been stealing from the Yakuza, he would have been killed immediately. Like, they have someone on the payroll for situations just like that. They would have chopped off his hand. They would have done something. They wouldn't let him just be like, okay, go chase him in a car. He would be dead. They would oh, big show time. up. They know where he lives. They just paint the Yakuza as a little softer in this, which leads me to my next logic. Yeah. Sean walks in. No way in hell that would ever happen. To speak to the leader of the Yakuza. Sean. need to leave you came to the wrong place i didn't come here to see you as a gaijin yeah he's an american foreigner who has some money to pay off han's debt but he walks through a whole gang of Yakuza members. They all have bats. They have sticks. They have chains. And then what's, I'm assuming, like a lieutenant of the Yakuza, he hands him money. This is, at this point, <laughs> the guy would take the money and tell Sean to leave. Oh, yeah. He would just say, the money's ours. He'd give him one warning. Get out of here. Yeah. And then, but instead, Sean hands the money to this guy and, the guy, and he says, I want to meet, I want to talk to Tomato or whatever his name is. <laughs> Tomato. And he says... <laughs> I think it's Yamato. I don't know. But yeah, he, yeah, it's, yeah, he, so they let him in this restaurant to speak directly to the head of the Yakuza. Never, ever, ever, ever going to happen. They would kill him on he that would alone. let him get within 500 feet of that restaurant. No. One big logic issue I have in this movie, and we brought this up. Sean tries to integrate himself into the drifting lifestyle, and he's used to doing everything at a quarter mile. Why did Sean not mention one time, hey, Let's see what you got on my terms. Let's have a quarter mile yes. race. Yes. You have all these souped up cars. They can go fucking straight. Yep. Like that whole scene where DK's chasing down Han and Sean. You can go in a straight line. You yep. don't have to fucking drift around everything. Let's see how good Drift King is in a straight line. Yeah, drifting's great. That's what you guys do, but it's not the only thing. It's not. Let's see how good you are on his terms. And I'm shocked they didn't even a throwaway line. Even after that first race around the world's biggest parking garage, he didn't go. Well, I'd like to see what you could do on my terms. So speaking of quarter mile races, at the end of the movie, when Dom shows up in the race between <laughs> Sean and Dom, Sean would absolutely fucking leave Dom in the dust. Okay. That car would not be able to make those turns. It's too heavy and Dom, long. Dom's driving a 1970 Plymouth Roadrunner. It's humongous. How did he even get it in this parking deck? Because I don't know that that car could make those turns around those bends. So they're going to race through this parking deck. No way. No. Sean's on the roof by the time Dom's through the first level. It's basically a mere what happened when the first drift fight. In fairness, Dom does say, I got nothing but time. Yeah, I would say so, because you're going to hammer every fucking wall up the way up. Eight minutes. Oh, my Lord. And speaking of Dom, so he says in that specific scene, he says, I'm Han's family. And Sean says, like, you know, I didn't know Han was into muscle. And he's when he rolled with my crew, he was. How old is Han? Okay. So I was figuring in this movie, and we'll talk about it during Legacy, 
I'm thinking Han has got to be around 30. Has to be around 30. At this rate, where it should fall in the line, he should be around 30. All right. That's I mean, what I'm thinking. It's just he hangs out with high school kids. So it's you kind of so put weird. him near high school kids. He seems like that guy in Varsity Blues where he shows up to the high school football parties and he goes, hey, he's class 81. Yeah. And he should hit him in the balls with a baseball bat. Two quick, I mean, that you've mentioned. If DK picks the mountain because no one else has ever made it to the bottom, does that mean he's raced other people there and they're just dead now? I would like to have seen skeletons of trashed, burnout cars at the bottom of that mountain. And then even with the modifications, how could the body of a 67 Mustang drift the way that those tuner cars do? Okay, Kevin, let's think about it. That Mustang has to weigh, what, maybe with a full engine in it, ton and a half at least. It's steel. It's pure steel. He's going up against a fiberglass car. There's yeah. no fucking way he's getting down that a mountain. A little fiberglass hatchback. Yes. When Sean tells his dad that he has to fix his own mess, his dad says, okay, at least you're not redoing my mistakes. What was his mistake? They never explain what those mistakes are. Joining the military? Putting you on a plane tonight. Dad. Sean, don't argue with me. I did this. I can't run away. I can't. Sean, I'm your father. I'm responsible for your well-being. And I'm responsible for my mess. I gotta do this. Can you understand that? At least you're not redoing my mistakes. I'm surprised they didn't retcon and like, say, I, he's Dominic's stepfather. I don't know what they meant. So they had probably three opportunities to say what those mistakes were. One, at the beginning, when we meet Sean's mom out in the police station, she could have said, your fuck up dad, and he did this. He left us. He picked his job over us. And now you're going to live. Okay, there's yeah. one. Easy. Sean goes on a date with Neela yep. where she's saying about her grandmother dying and then they were, he was, she was taken in by DK's family or something. And Sean starts saying, we moved around. Was, my mom says, you know, it's my fault, whatever. Well, in that situation, Sean could have said, you know, my we've moved around is my fault. My dad left us when we were three because he couldn't stop paying for prostitutes. You and know? he didn't. They never did. They never said anything bad about the dad. So when the dad's like, don't make the same mistakes as me, what mistakes? Okay, first of all, let's paint a picture here. Sean's dad lives in a smallest, is it, I don't even know what you would call it. It's the smallest little apartment, one room place. There's a lot of close quarters there. You don't even think that Sean's pissed at his dad and go, oh, that's why you fucking left mom and yes. I. And he never did it. Yes. I mean, and, and when, so when we meet Sean's dad for the first time, Sean, his dad has a, a prostitute there. Yeah. Who I assume is a prostitute. I would assume. She's Robin getting her Tugger. stuff and, and leaving. So right there, there's an opportunity to explain maybe his dad is a sex addict. I don't know. Like just something. Yeah. It's a two second throwaway line. Maybe his dad was a street racer. How cool would that have been? I mean, something, but it's just don't make the same mistakes I did. What mistake? Well, here's another logic issue. He has such a thick Southern accent. Dad has no accent. Mother has no accent. How the hell did he get his accent? Uh, don't know. Was he adopted? Maybe. Uh, so I have one more that transitions into legacy. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention? No. We're okay. covered there. So my least favorite logic issue. At the mountain race, all the people who are on the mountain to see the race appear to be streaming the race live on flip phones. <laughs> so yeah. maybe Japan had that technology at the time. But we did not in 2006. Also, where are the cameras on the Dark Mountain? Who is 
broadcasting this video that's able to be streamed. Yeah. Now, in 2006, you couldn't even take a picture on a flip phone. Yeah. Like, I couldn't take a picture of four feet in front of me and have it, like, look good. I guess one of the explanations is the fact that this movie, despite being released in 2006, actually doesn't take place in 2006. No, it does not. It takes place in a different period in the timeline, right? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So, we see... At the end of actually, it's the mid credit roll at the end of Furious Six. And this is this is we've transitioned this is now our legacy portion. This is our legacy portion. Here's the sequence of how this movie falls in line. It's one, two, four, five, six, seven slash three, eight, nine. So in actuality, this movie takes place in 2015. Okay. In Furious Seven. So in 2015, there wouldn't be flip, flip phones, phones, but there would be live streaming. There would be some streaming video. This movie got retconned because they realized Han was such an amazing character when it comes to the whole provenance of this entire thing that they had to retcon in the end to show Deckard Shaw, a.k.a. Jason Statham's character, was the one that T-boned Han. Dominic Toretto, you don't know me. You're about to. Why he did that? Because at the end of Furious 6, Dom ended up taking down his brother, Owen, who was the baddie. He T-bones Han, takes Dominic's necklace off, and says, Dominic Toretto, you don't know who I am, but soon you will. And that leads right into Furious 7, where Deckard Shaw is the baddie. It's a time travel movie. We're back here again, folks. So the legacy of this movie is just the idea that this movie was supposed to be probably the... We're going to try and squeeze some more. We're going to squeeze blood from a stone, try and get a little bit more money out of this franchise before it's over. And yet with one scene in giving Vin Diesel the the Riddick movie, they convinced him to appear on behalf of Han. This movie then became one of the most important entries in the franchise. It's the most important in the franchise. That's the amazing thing. So then the legacy otherwise of this movie is that it's just part of a franchise that's still going on. There's Fast 9 is going to be released, what, next week? Next, I think it's like two weeks. Two yeah. weeks from the time of this recording, Fast 9 is being released. They're signed on for, what, 9, Up, 10? It was uh, 8, 9, and 10. That's what they signed on for. So Sign 10 should be the last one. I doubt it. It can't be. This is going to make over a billion dollars. Yeah. It's going to be nuts. So if they go Why? to space, people are going to fucking chew it up. Why would they end it? I mean, I at, wouldn't. At 10? I mean, like when people started shitting on Rocky for going to five. Okay. Five was fucking It was awful. terrible. I get it. But like these movies are still good in the eyes of the people who like them. They're great. Look how much excitement yeah. I get out of and it. And then they're making a ton of money. Keep it going. I mean, like, it's the Grey's Anatomy. It's been it's going on for 20 years or something, and it's never going to end. Uh, why not? I mean, if John Cena's character is, like, sweet, they can do a face turn for him and, like, rejoin him with Dom. And then Fast 10 can have Dom and his John Cena brother <laughs> be together. You know? They yeah, I totally agree. Bring. We don't know what Han's going to be. They're bringing back Sean from Tokyo Drift. And Sean came back in uh, seven. So he was in, in seven and eight. Han was not. But spoilers, if you guys haven't seen the trailers already. Warning. Warning. Spoiler alert. Han is back in nine. How? We don't know. He died. He's uh, back somehow. Eating snacks. Damn straight. So I don't understand how 
They explain how he didn't die, but... I'm interested to see how they're going to end him. Oh, actually, how they brought him back to life, because he should be dead and gone. He, uh, he went to the other plane with George Michael Sports Machine, <laughs> where he's been developing the technology for a magnet plane. Good evening, everybody. But it proves the point that he's the most important character in the entire franchise, or they wouldn't have done this to anybody else. Maybe Dom, but that's about it. I'm now on board to see where this goes, because I, I don't... I've probably seen all of these movies at least once, um, I think, but I'm going to watch them in the, you know, like Star Wars has the machete cut and chronological cuts and stuff. I'm going to try and find chronological story of Fast and Furious that Jim just gave us. I'm going to watch these movies in that order. Yeah. Remember one, two, four, five, six, seven slash three, eight, nine. That's how you do it. All right. And then Hobbs and Shaw is just watch if you want. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen it? Yeah. Okay. What did you think about it? It's nuts. It's crazy. But you know what? I wasn't a big fan. It's, it's just, a sh- it's a, that's what I said. It's its own thing. It's not, it's like a superhero movie. Well, it's like a, there was such a rift between Vin Diesel and the rock and the rock. That's the rock wanted to do this. And Vin is like, this isn't a part of the franchise. So the rock went off and did this, Yeah, and which is crazy. Cause you think they'd both get along now. They're backed on good terms, right? I believe they all made up. So I it's also imagine enough. someone not getting along with the rock. The rock is the most nice guy I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Now I don't think it was completely with the rock and Vin Diesel. I think it was also Ty like Reese. Tyrese. Yeah. And Tyrese, though, if you remember, was having a meltdown a few years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, he's back now, and it probably helped with uh, all the money that the, oh, yeah. from five on is made. So. I couldn't imagine what these paychecks are for these guys. You got to figure, I think five came out. I think the most successful one is seven, and I think that made close to close to two billion, two and a half billion. You know, in, in a sneaky sort of way, these movies have become... Like the Expendables, you know, yeah. Expendables kind of got oh. all these guys on board. I was so disappointed. With they were. Yeah. The first movie I was fine. Then they just beat a dead horse. About a time the third one comes around. I remember my dad going, my dad and I going to see Expendables 3 just going, really? Did yeah. we need another one? These guys are old. But see, that's the problem. The Expendables movies happened after everybody was already so old. Yes. And in the case of Fast and Furious, they're getting a lot of these guys on the upswing. Which makes me think... Look, Vin Diesel's in his mid-50s. There's I mean, one guy that needs to be in one of these movies because you got, you got to have the trifecta. Uh-oh, who is it? Dave Batista. Oh, my God. Because you've got Cena, The Rock, got to have Batista. This is the one thing I don't understand, and we're going to talk briefly talk about Dave Batista, specifically his face. What the hell has happened to Dave Batista's face? He literally now looks like Tong Po. <laughs> He does. Look at his run in the the mid-aughts in WWE and look at him now. My comparison is, if you've ever seen the MMA fighter Vandalay Silva, I met that guy. I stared down the face of death like I did with New Jack. Then all of a sudden, he got scar tissue removal surgery. Yeah. He looks like Tong Po (laughs) 2. So you got Tong Po 1, Tong Po 2. So Dave Batista, he's stepping away from Guardians of the Galaxy. So he's doing three and then he's done. Oh, really? Anybody's going to do Army of the Dead 2 or whatever that was? That's the weird thing is like he said he's not doing Studer or whatever. Guardians of the Galaxy, Stuber. Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a decent little movie. It is what it is. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because he's like, I'm I'm almost 60. He's like, my body's starting to sag. Isn't that crazy how old he is? But he's like, my body's starting to sag and stuff. He's like, I can't maintain this forever. You want to know why? Steroids, pal. But what (laughs) I don't understand is, but he's like still doing like Army of the Dead, which... 
Yeah. You, I guess you could just have masks and they put you in a costume. Yeah. What, Drax is shirtless. The what, whole movie. CGI. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's starting. He's starting to get the older. He's starting to get rest. Yeah. So. But yeah, so he's he's stepping away from Drax. He could totally do fast. He could do fast ten, whatever they're gonna call I it. I mean, you already have Cena. Fast ten, your seatbelt. Yeah. Throw Van Dam in there. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, I mean, think about it. You have. Here's another weird thing. Of all actors or actresses you'd think would be in this franchise, you know who Deckard Shaw's mom is in this whole thing? Helen Mirren. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't Charlize Theron in one of these? Theron was in uh, the last one, Fate of the Furious. Huh. So it's just like whatever big name actor is right now, figure out a way to throw him in this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah, it's, you have to. It's like Expendables, but Expendables happened after those dudes were like done. Uh, and these movies, they're still getting names. like. Shit, throw... You had Kurt Russell in Seven. Yeah, they're not going to get, like, DiCaprio, but they could get Wahlberg. Oh, could you imagine? It, 100% they could get Wahlberg. Hey, Dom, you live your life a quarter mile at a time? <laughs> Guess what I... I'm going to fuck you up, man. <laughs> All right. Nicole forever. <laughs> <laughs> he, he carves Drift King into his stomach. I, he would totally be a muscle car guy. Oh, God. Fuck, dude. I want that to happen so bad and fast. Then I want Marky Mark in space. <laughs> Hey guys, look at the moon. Isn't this great? Um, you're sounding more like Demone. I keep slipping into Demone when I go, isn't this great? Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a part of this franchise. <gasps> Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> Somebody Photoshop that for us. Fast Ten at Ridgemont High. All right. Stick around for some plugs. Once again, pool sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us, and now back to Kevin. All right, we're now entering the waste of time portion of our podcast. That would be a waste of time. And what's not a waste of time? Fast 10 and Ridgemont High. I'm putting it right now. If you go to our Facebook page, I'm posting it, and I want your guys' opinion on what you guys think of Fast 10 at Ridgemont High. As long as Phoebe Cates is there, I'm good. Oh, well, you could probably get her. She could get Phoebe Cates dirt cheap right now, probably. So what Jim was just up to is Zombie Sailor Toys is releasing right. a line of Hasbro throwback. Anybody, any pool scener that's been on podcast, you know, has been on our social media and seen, you know, some of the, the shots of us recording. Mm-hmm. Jim has a Hasbro ring. Well, that's your Hasbro my ring. My childhood Hasbro ring. That I gifted to Jim, and he's got a number of action figures in it. Mm-hmm. Zombie Sailor essentially is putting out ones that never got figures. And the guy who developed the original sculpts for these Hasbro figures, Ron Rudat, designed all of his figures. So they're essentially the real thing. They're the real thing. They're just not. A there's fig- no action. There's no action. To right. Them, though. They're just, you know. Yeah. But there's they're officially licensed. W, well, uh, not officially licensed. They WWF got the Hasbro rights figures. to yeah. the people who they do. Yes. So Jim just ordered himself. Dino Bravo. Yeah. And Dino, it's just Dino Bravo 
Bravo's first ever figure. In the line, you have Matt Cardona, you have Brian Myers, you have Dino Bravo, Sabu, and Earl Hefner. Sabu! Yeah. So I got Dino. It's his first figure. If you guys are unaware who Dino Bravo is, check out Dark Side of the Ring. They did a... I can't look at Dino Bravo now and not see a cigarette. That's all I can see. <laughs> but, yep, I just secured it. It's supposed to be here by probably December or January next year, so I'm excited for it. Hebner's pretty cool if you got Earl Hebner because... He's going to be a variant yeah. in the blue outfit and then one in stripes. Because then you could do the uh, Montreal screw job. That's right. With, uh, with Sean and Brett. Uh, have spit flying <laughs> with, uh, to Vince's face. Hey, I just got off the phone with Vince. It's going to end in a schmoz. Yeah. <laughs> so, my... Oh, update i want to mention a waste of time and i probably want to be careful with how i approach this is i have a squatter update oh and that the other day oh I'm, the action you had in your i'm walking through my foyer and i peek out the window and i say dane she had just uh my wife had just ran to i don't know the store she ran somewhere right around the corner and i said uh dane what did you do on that little uh trip you took around the corner i said there's two cop cars in front of our house and she was like what and then i opened the door i looked down the street there are not two cop cars there are six yeah six cop cars in a row down my street and there's a cop walking through my yard and he goes sir is this your vehicle I said, yeah. And he goes, what's your name? And I said, Kevin Bradway. And he says, never mind. Go back in the house. Oh, okay. Thank you. And I said, all right, what's going on? <laughs> like, I don't even, Dana's like, don't say anything. Like thinking, who knows? But so the cop asks my name. I stand there. I'm watching. And I go back in the house and I look in the backyard and the police have a full-on perimeter around the neighbor's house, the squatter's house. There's a woman in my front yard. There's cops talking to her. And I'm like, God, the neighbors are going to think this is us, you know, something going on in our house. And there was not. So a couple minutes later, that cop who, by the way, he looked like a high school student. He was super young looking. Was he in Tokyo during this movie? He wasn't. Okay. Uh, he was not in Dom's, Dom's gang. He might be in uh, Fast 10 at Ridgemont High. <laughs> So he, he knocks on my door and he says, Hey, there's a uh, domestic situation involving a firearm. He goes, so just go in your house, you know, keep your family somewhere central in the house. I'm like, are you kidding me? Jesus like, Christ. I'm like, God. So then, like I said, these guys forming a perimeter around the house, essentially we're like, you're basically on lockdown SWAT or something. Yeah. And then, you know, the ladies in my yard, this is, you know, we've discussed this in the past and, uh, she's in my front yard and I, who knows what's going on. So then cop eventually knocks on the door and says, you know, something I, I'm not going to cast a stone. I, I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what was going on other than a cop told me a situation involving firearm. So the, the cop says it was just a big misunderstanding. They had a disagreement and he goes, so, you know, you're good. You can, I'm thinking, I'm like, they got in some sort of fight. He probably pulled a gun out. So then the next day, he barricaded his garage. He parked his, uh, his he has like an SUV and he has a Mercedes or a Lexus. And he parked his SUV against his garage door with a bump. Like sideways? No, for like front ways. Okay. But he has stuff. He has like um, a trailer. So he had the trailer parked on like half, covering half the garage door. Full intent here. Yeah. So has the SUV bumper touching the garage door. And then he has his, whatever it is, Mercedes Lexus. I think it's a Lexus. And the bumper of that is then touching the SUV. So nobody's getting in that garage. 
And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, he's got a garage barricade. My assumption was he thought maybe she was coming back and keep her out. I don't know. But then later that day, she's back at his house. So I was like, people are dumb. Hey, sometimes all it takes is showing true love and compassion, looking down the barrel of a 22, (laughs) apparently. Yeah, he said, Tokyo Drift is better than Fast Five. He's a too fast, too furious guy. Yeah, and then she said, no, it's not. Fast Five's the best entry in the franchise. (laughs) Everybody, update. My food pregame for this episode was two pork chops and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I have been blasting ass. Why? Quite considerably. Why was that a thing? I don't know. I had a craving like a pregnant woman. But did you eat two pork chops and then you're like, eh, I'm still a little hungry. With A1 sauce. Okay. And then you ate the peanut butter and jelly? Yeah. I ate or peanut- you like while the pork chops were cooking, you made the peanut butter and jelly? No. Put I, it on the same plate. I had both pork chops and then I made a PB&J. Should have just put peanut butter on one pork chop, probably on the other. It's probably a good idea. Smashed them together and ate it like a KFC double down. I should fucking have done that. That's a great idea. It's no way hot dogs. When our friend Morgan ate the uh, fudge round. Fudge round. Hamburger. Fudge round hamburger. Two fudge rounds with a burger in it with mustard. (laughs) Fuck. Even I have limits. I would never do that. I've eaten a lot of weird shit. I've not gone that far. I mean, I don't think he was like, man, that sounds good. I'm going to do that. I think we put him up to it. I used to stuff French fries in Twinkies and eat them when I was a... Huh? (laughs) Stuff French fries and Twinkies up my ass. ass. Yeah, French fries and Twinkies is a little little interesting. Yeah, it's a good taste. I had Arby's. I'm not a big... (laughs) You're like, I had Arby's. All right. I'm not a big Arby's fan, but uh, one of the kids has been asking for curly fries, and my wife likes Arby's, so I had Arby's. Okay, if any of you out there remember Hill's Department Store, I brought it up on a podcast. It's my favorite department store of all time. I always rave about the amazing taste of a Hill's Department Store orange drink. There was nothing like it. The orange cream shake at Arby's. Take that whipped cream shit off of it. It's almost Hills Department Store orange drink. It's amazing. Check it out, everybody. Nice. All right. I I think uh, should Marky Mark get behind a car in Fast 10? At Ridgemont High? He might say, Silencia. Silencia.